I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for joining me. Um, I am not on the air uh, on WBAI today, nor will I be on the air on WPFW. And that is because I am suspended. And I wanted to explain in this program, of course, I'm suspended from doing the radio shows but it doesn't suspend me from Facebook live stream and it doesn't uh, stop me from uh, recording a show to put up as a, as a podcast. So even when I'm preempted, I usually do the show, if not for the other station that I'm not preempted on, um, but for the, you know, the Facebook live streamers and uh, those who are, are podcasters. So um, let me explain. Um, I violated a rule and the rule has to do with the elections uh, for the local station board of, of any of the Pacific stations, but specifically for WBAI. Now, you know that I'm not a big person on elections. <laughs> I, I pretty much badmouth state, local, national elections. Uh, but I have served on the WBAI LSB board before. I ran once before and didn't really get elected in the first round, but when somebody termed out, I was the next highest voter or something like that, vote getter. So I, I got was on the board for a little while. I did run again and didn't win. Um, and part of it is just trying to help, just trying to contribute to a station and a network, essentially, that has really been troubled, really has has been fighting everything from insufficient funds to, you know, perhaps quality of programming, uh, poor listenership, you know, all of that stuff. I don't know how much WBAI and uh, WPFW uh, in Washington, WBAI in New York, I don't know how much these radio stations help me with my message. I do appreciate being in two significant markets, but I'm on in two significant markets that uh, where the radio station doesn't have a, a very strong listenership. Um, I know that I have dedicated listeners on both WBAI and uh, uh, at WPFW, and I appreciate those listeners. And look, I, I ask of you every week to contribute to your Pacifica stations. Uh, those of you who are watching and listening to the show today, you're, you're, you're catching it uh, on, on Facebook or you're, you're probably catching it after the broadcast when I put this audio up as a, as a podcast. And even you, I, I oftentimes suggest that if, even if you don't listen to this program on a radio station, I ask that you support the Pacifica stations that carry it. Um, now, I, I do that, and I'm, I'm by no means a big fundraiser for the, you know, for the radio stations. I, I, don't, you know, I don't hit the upper tier. Today, on WBAI, I was supposed to do a complete hour to promote the BAI Buddy program. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you can contact the station, you can call up the, uh, 
the pledge line or go online and you can you can become a BAI buddy. And in doing so, what you do is you're it's like being a sustaining member. You uh, you offer a credit card or your checking account information and you agree to a certain amount each month uh, that will come out of your, you know, off your card or out of your checking account each month. And it could be five, 10, $15 a month. Uh, not really any higher than a subscription fee to a streaming service or anything like that. So that's, that's kind of what was this, this was all about. There was a time that my show, this show was among the highest, um, you know, buddy participants. I, I had more BAI buddies than any other one hour weekly program, which was pretty significant. I don't know what happened to all of you. <laughs> I don't know what happened to those of you who were a part of that buddy program. Um, apparently you left or you, you, I don't know if you stopped being a buddy and then came back and then listed a different show. I mean, look, if you're, if you're a buddy to the, to any program, you're supporting the radio station. And that's what, the, that's what the program is really all about. But unfortunately, some of us get measured, um, almost solely on our revenue generation. And, you know, look, I've, I've even suggested doing underwriting for the program, not because I was going to go solicit from the Koch brothers to support the program, but I figured I could go to a couple of the, the you know, my, my native friends, native nations, um, and especially, you know, some of the air, that are impacted by the work specifically that I do here, and maybe I'll get them to throw several thousand dollars. But WBAI has not developed, and I don't know if the network has or not, but WBAI has not developed a full you know, a, a full underwriting program. They got program for getting paid for PSAs and that kind of stuff. And then I was asked to, to help draft the, the program. I said, no, I don't want to draft a program. I just want to utilize it. You need it to have a standard set up for, for programs to solicit an underwriter for the program. And, and then the station or the network can approve or disapprove who those underwriters are and make sure that, you know, that it doesn't go against the philosophy of the network and the station and that kind of stuff. But to me, that was going to be easier. I, I got to admit, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of trying to offer up premiums. I would love to just, you know, give gifts away to the people who donate to the, to the, uh, the program. But in my view, what's kind of developed is, is almost like a home shopping network on, on WBI. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I don't want to sell trinkets or native cures or, you know, or, or that kind of stuff. I've done, I've done books and, and for whatever reason, when I've done books and videos, they haven't done particularly well. And I don't know why I know there's a, a fulfillment issue on some of these, uh, these premiums as they're called. But, um, but regardless, I would rather just, you know, pull in, you know, a couple of underwriters to, uh, you know, to underwrite the program. Look, I used to do commercial radio. I had to buy airtime and I was paying, you know, $30,000 a year to be on the air in, in a major, uh, um, strong signaled radio station in, in Buffalo, New York. And eventually I turned that program into a podcast, um, which is let's talk native. And, um, and, and I was invited to do a program on WBAI where I wasn't paying for, I realized that we all have a commitment to do some of the lifting for revenue generation, but I wasn't paying for my airtime. Now it's starting to feel a little bit more like that again. So I don't know. Um, I thought I would run for the LSB and offer my thoughts on not just other ways of funding the station, but also 
Um, you know, more community outreach. You know, for those of you who recall before COVID struck, I would do an event in New York City almost every month. I'd, I'd do a film screening or bring in an author or even an entertainer or a speaker. Uh, we, used to, we used to host those events down at the um, uh, Commons Cafe uh, and just below where the, where the studio is. I mean, I used to do these things. And, and I enjoyed having that contact with the people who listen to the program. Went back uh, to New York a, a couple of months ago in May uh, to do a book launch. And I, I got to admit, it, it felt great to be in front of people. It felt great to be um, you know, a part of the community that I broadcast in. I have yet to do something in Washington specifically, but I'm but those things are in the works. But let me get back to my suspension. <laughs> don't, don't mean to avoid the issue. All right, so I'm running for the LSB um, as a staff candidate. And now the staff candidates are on the air. I mean, uh, we're, especially if we're producers anyway, we're, we're on the air. So we don't have to not be on the air during this election. But we, we can't advocate for our, we, you know, we, we can't campaign during our program, um, nor can we endorse other uh, slates or program, uh, um, uh, candidates. Now, there are also listener members of the LSB, and any of you who contribute to the, uh, to the station, to either station, uh, PFW or WBAI, you qualify as a listener member, and you can actually not only vote in those elections uh, for listener members, not for staff members, but for listener members. Uh, but you can run run to be a part of their local station boards. And a friend of mine was, run, uh, she was running for, uh, as a listener member. And I, she may even be serving on the LSB now. I'm, 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 I don't, yeah, I, I don't follow that closely. <laughs> and again, there's a part of me that, that has an aversion to elections in general, uh, culturally, philosophically. Um, and, but again, for the third time, I threw my hat into the ring. Now, last month, back in August, I was in North Carolina, and I did this show from the living room of the house we, uh, my wife and I were, were staying at in the Outer Banks. My friend, Doc Shaw, who is, uh, who is running for a, as a listener candidate, she was, that's where she lives, down in that area. So I asked her if she'd like to join me because I was going to do a program based on native erasure. Yeah, in the Outer Banks, there's almost no signs that native people ever live there. I mean, there's a couple of road signs, I think. Uh, but there, there are no native people there. Um, I even traveled to a museum at the lower part of the Outer, uh, outer Banks, all the way down in uh, a little town called Frisco on Cape Hatteras. And their museum had almost nothing. I mean, so I was disturbed at the lack of any signs that native people once lived there. And when you asked and you inquired, you realize that people just don't know. They don't know anything. I mean, so the erasure of, of indigenous people on the outer banks of North Carolina is almost complete. I mean, it is really almost complete. I guess there's a few people who claim to be something. I don't know. Claim, but, um, but even the museum folks were suge suggesting that some of the people who are claiming to be chiefs and, uh, and, and spokespersons, that their background was somewhat questionable. You know, not getting into a whole pretendians. Uh, program here but that was you know that, that was kind of brought up but I did I went down to the museum and spent time with the, the curator and, and learned what little bit they did know she shared in her frustration about the lack of information relating to the indigenous people there um, or who, who were once there didn't didn't seem to know 
much of anything? I mean, what did they grow crops? Did, was it primarily fishing? Was there um, their stay there seasonal? Were they only there for during the, the heavy part of the fishing? There was just not a, a lot known uh, at all. Um, it's, it's interesting that there's, that there's horses there on, uh, on the Outer Banks. And they have all kinds of programs, you know, funding to, to make sure the horses are safe and the, that their habitats are maintained. And, you know, and you can dig. My wife and I did a tour. We went, we went and seen the horses up in uh, 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 Kerala, up on the northern part of the Outer, outer Banks. So, and, it, and it's kind of fascinating. The story seems a little bit strange because on one hand, they were saying that the horses um, got there from the Spanish, although I don't know of any part of North American history that had S Spain settling or bringing horses or trying to do a colony um, in the Outer Banks or any place on the East Coast. But so, I, you know, I don't know the story, but even that story, but the horses are there, you know, they're there and, you know, where, where they got there from, you know, British sailors or Spanish sailors or whatever else, they're there. Um, but you know, nothing to do with indigenous people there. And, and of course, we there's, there's no even connection between the indigenous people who may have been there and the horses that are there now. Um, unlike you go out in the plains and you know that there, that there were native people who became very skilled at, uh, you know, uh, not just warfare, but, but, but managing horses. But no, no nothing, nothing here, nothing here. So... That's what I, I plan to do the show on. Now, Doc Shaw has, has a mixed background. She has some native ancestry, and, and, and she lives in North Carolina, so I invite her. Now, it, I was under the impression, whether it's false or not, that, that she had checked and had this cleared. And I'm going to admit, as a candidate for the LSB, I did sign what they called a fair campaign promise or something like that. But you know what? I, I'll admit, I didn't read it. I, I didn't read it. I mean, I... I didn't feel like I was ever in jeopardy of, make, of breaking some sort of campaign rule. But sure enough, there's a rule that says if you are a, a listener uh, candidate, you can't be on the air. And, and apparently, it didn't matter that we never talked about the campaign or the election or her candidacy or anything. We never even brought that up. Uh, we really just were talking about Native Erasure. Now, so it's, it's against the rule for a listener uh, candidate to be on the air, and it's also against the rule for a staff candidate to have a listener candidate on the air. Uh, look, I saw the rule; it's clear. I violated it. I I didn't do it intentionally, and I didn't do it to try to advance my candidacy as a staff um, candidate for the LSB. Nor did I bring Doc Shaw on to be uh, to advance her um, uh, advantage. However, I was reported there are some folks at WBA who don't like me. Let's, let's be clear here. <laughs> there are uh, a couple of producers who want me off the air. There are people that are on the, uh, the, the LSB and people who, you know, I've had my conflicts with, with, with people at, at, um, at WBA. It's kind of why my show is called Resistance Radio. I don't put up with a lot of stuff, and I, and I stand my ground. So I get a, the, the national election supervisor uh, who handles the elections for all of the stations. She reached out to me uh, two days ago. And she told me that there was a complaint um, against me for violating the, the rules of the fair uh, campaign promise or, or program or whatever. And, um, and she determined that, that I had violated it. And I, look, once she, she sent me the rule, and I, yeah, apparently I did. Now, again, 
I was under the impression that Doc Shaw had this cleared. Whether she did or she didn't, and whether it's a false impression or, or you know, I won't, won't even get into the details on why I thought that, but, uh, um, but I did think that. And I knew we weren't going to be campaigning for anybody. So, so anyway, she was on the show, and she was on the show for a full hour. So the remedy that was suggested by the, what the, she's called the NES, the National Election Supervisor, was that I could invite the other listener candidates to be on the program. Uh, now, she, she called it, a, um, you know, I could call it a, 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 a forum, a campaign forum. Well, the problem is I didn't have Doc Shaw on talking about uh, her candidacy. We were talking about Native Erasure. So I said, well, I can invite them on, but we're not going to talk about their campaigns because Doc Shaw didn't either. But I could offer all of the other uh, listener candidates to come on the show. In fact, today was supposed to be a show to talk about the buddy, the, the WBAI buddy program. So I could have, and, and, and I had somebody lined up to join me on the program today to help pitch as, you know, and, and we weren't going to even mention that they were a candidate for the uh, LSB. Um, although the person who was going to join me um, was on the LSB when I was on there, you know, so we, that's where I actually, I actually met her, uh, but she was going to join me today and it was all set. Uh, I had another um, uh, candidate that was going to join me next week. And she, so this week we were only going to do pitching for WBAI buddy program. That's all we were going to do. And I was going to record another show um, as I do when I do a specific show for WBAI. I was going to record another show for WPFW. I was going to do that all today. But, you know, so, so this was the remedy. And I had somebody else lined up for next week who was going to, because next week I was going to do the same kind of show that I do with, um, uh, with Doc Shaw. I was going to do one on a native erasure. And in fact, I figured, look, these people are from New York. We can talk about the uh, the non-existence of much evidence of native presence there, not and not just the erasure, but but even what I consider somewhat offensive these these land acknowledgments. You know, I think people, you know, especially white people, <laughs> you do these land acknowledgments and it makes you feel good because you can say, "Oh, there, I did something for the for the people," um, but they don't necessarily do. That doesn't translate to, to giving us anything. In fact, I talked about it on the program. I said, look, at least with WBAI and WPFW, I'm, I've been given space back. I've been given airtime. Uh, so I would rather be given some space, whether it's airtime or real estate or, you know, maybe even a place to stay when I go to New York or Washington. But no, that's never really offered up. Although I do have a few listeners who have offered that, so I don't want to take that away from anybody. But but a land acknowledgement is just to say that we used to be here and, uh, and that we're not now. I mean, to, that's almost a slap in the face. So, but anyway, I figured anybody in New York could have talked to me about what, whether it's their knowledge or even their lack of knowledge about the native, uh, uh, the, and the indigenous people who once lived in the New York area. I figured we could, we could have had that conversation and that would have given them all of them an opportunity. Now, I'm not saying that, look, I, I sent out 27 emails directly to every listener candidate. I knew not everyone was going to take me up on it. In fact, I only looked like I only had two that were taking me up on it. But the point was not whether anybody took me up on the, um, uh, you know, on the invite. It's whether they, it was the opportunity to join me was there. And this was the suggestion that the NES had made uh, as a remedy. In fact, she gave me the list of emails. And in fact, one other uh, listener candidate 
said, well, I, I, like, I would like to, but I can't because I'm, a, I'm running for the LSP. And I said, no, no, you can do it because I've invited everybody. Um, so if, if you want to be on the program, and you can check with Renee, it was the name of the, um, uh, the NES, the uh, election supervisor. I said, you can check with her. She responded in the email and said, yes, John's correct. You can, you can do that. It's not a violation of the, uh, uh, of the you know, fair campaign uh, promise. So I thought things were all set. I was, I was moving towards, again, having a guest on the show today to talk about the buddy program, having at least, a, at least one guest to join me uh, next week to talk about erasure. And then there was, I was getting mixed messages from people, trying to catch up with Reggie at uh, WBAI. And, and I told him that uh, I was going to have somebody join me. Well, is that person going to host? I said, no, she's not host. She's going to be a guest. And he said, oh, I thought you were off the air tomorrow. And then I started you know, immediately checking emails. And I realized the NES, the, the election supervisor, changed her mind. Even though she had offered a remedy, I accepted it and, and started to implement that remedy. And she even participated in it by giving me the list of names and weighing in on a conversation, an email conversation that I had with one of the, one of the uh, lister candidates. All, somebody must have got to her. I mean, that's the only thing I can say is that somebody must have raised houses. No, that's not a, that's not a proper remedy. So I got disqualified as a candidate, and so did Doc Shaw. They, they, they've taken me off, the, uh, you know, off of the, the, the election. They've taken us out of the election. And I got suspended for three weeks. And it's not that I got just suspended on, at WBI. They actually reached out to the, uh, the general manager of WPFW, which my show, although it aired on WPFW, had no impact on WPFW's election. I didn't violate their campaign rules. I violated the Pacifica rules, but only as applied to the station that I was on. So I got suspended from both WBAI and WPFW for three weeks. Now, some of you who look for the show on the radio station realize, and in New York, realize that I've been, I've, I've already been off for two weeks. You know, this, uh, the system that they have for fundraising, which is, they call the 52 week schedule, has me off. Uh, I'm on for three weeks and then I'm off. Every, every fourth week, I'm, I'm off the air. I'm, I'm preempted for selling stuff. So I was off two weeks ago. And then last week, because WBI was starting its, whatever this is, the fall fund drive, I guess, um, they were going to do special programming all day long to talk about the, um, the state of media. And, and we were informed via email that we were that all programs were being uh, preempted. Well, apparently they must not have had a full slate of uh, shows for that. So I got another email that said, if I wanted to do a show on the state of the media, I could reach out. And so I said, well, I, I could. I, was, I assumed I was off, but I could. And for those of you who did catch last week's show, I did talk about the state of media to some extent. Not on WBAI. They preempted me anyway. So I've been off for two weeks already. Now I'm going to be off for another three weeks because of a suspension. Now, I've never been suspended before. There's been scheduling conflicts. There's been preemptions in the past. And, uh, you know, look, if, I have no problem when, when the stations do a special broadcast. Some of them get a little excessive. Some of these hearings and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, are, are kind of mundane. And, you know, it'd be better off to report about it than to take all of the producers off the air so they can carry these congressional hearings and that kind of stuff. But, but you know, that's, that's my opinion. Uh, of course, I always think the stuff that I'm talking about is the most important stuff in the world. And, I'm, and to that note, I go, I go back to what I said earlier. I'm not sure that some of the messages that I have and some of my issues that I talk about in this program 
I'm not sure the WBAI and WPFW serve me that well. I, I wish they did. And I, and I know they have. Look, I've, I've done some programs on these stations that I know the people that I wanted most to hear what I had to say did hear it. I had, you know, I had a New York State, um, the assembly leader, Crystal People Stokes, who heard me really call her out on one of the pro in one of the programs. Um, I don't know if her staff heard it or whatever else. I, you know, I called her out because of uh, her relationship with Kathy Hochul and them extorting money out of the Senecas and then telling one of the Seneca counselors, don't you dare bring up racism. Not after what's happened to my people, she said. I mean, that, that was literally what, what, what this black legislator had said from Buffalo. And I called her out on it. I, I, and I'm going to tell you, I, I flat out called her, what I, I called her a black white supremacist because of how, how blatantly she carries water for, for Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York. Now, I was pretty harsh on her. And somehow, whether it was on the New York station or the Washington station, she caught wind of the program, listened to it. She actually got a hold of the Senate Nation and said, um, her people did, and said, um, uh, you need to apologize for what John Cain said. And, of course, Seneca Nation says, we don't apologize for what John Cain said. I mean, I think they were they were felt pretty awkward about it. But, I mean, like, I only knew about what she said because, you know, members of the Seneca Council told me about it. But, um, so, look, I do know that my show can have impact. But I also know the listenership of WBAI, and I don't know much about the listenership specifically, the numbers um, at WPFW. They're not, the numbers aren't great. I mean, we're in, in New York City, we're in a radio market of 11 million people. And the membership of WBAI has dropped off significantly. And part of it is there's no marketing. There's no, you know, there's no advertising or marketing for, for any of our programs. And I'm one of the few programs that, that at least will mix the media a little bit. Yeah, I do radio. I put it on Facebook live stream. You know, I, I use social media to promote the program. Um, I uh, push to put the show up on a, as a podcast. So I'm, I'm trying to use a few, and I've been doing it for years. And those of you who have been following me, you know, I've been doing this for years. Um, not everybody has followed suit. I mean, some do other mixed media. In fact, some people are more, pro they're more prominent in, in other venues than, than on WBAI. But, but again, I'm not a paid producer. My time is volunteered. And when I say my time is volunteered, let me, let me clarify that. Before COVID, I was traveling to New York every week. Nobody was covering my, my hotel rental. Nobody was covering my, my train fare back, uh, back and forth or sometimes bus fare. I was making that trip every single week to do my show, every week. And then once a month, I would stick around New York to do, to do a live event of some sort. I would I, I participate. Look, one of the first shows that I ever did um, once uh, as a producer was with Mimi Rosenberg covering the, uh, the climate march. And we did a live broadcast from Columbus Circle. I know it's ironic. I even hate say, say call it that. But anyway, we did a live broadcast from from that area up by Central Park, um, where they where they started the the march, and we did interviews. We had people who were calling in from all over. We had people who drove in listening to the radio program because they, I mean we were on for several hours. Um, so that was one of the first programs I did, and I'm a big advocate in in outreach. Uh, look, I've 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 gone. You know, I, I've I've traveled different places to to promote WBAI um, up to Westchester County and that kind of thing with Doc Shaw. I might add, um, 
Travel, uh, Michael G. Haskins, uh, uh, you know, joined me uh, for an event we we had done up there. Like I said, I've I've screened films. I've I've brought in uh, you know performers. I've brought in other activists. We we we've done events on you know some of the uh, fighting, some of the pipeline kind of stuff. But we we did a right. And every one of those events that I did, we at very least passed the jar to 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 help cover some of the rent for. Um, for WBAI. So I did things that probably nobody else was doing. And, and again, even with that, I'm not saying that I'm the biggest, biggest bread, uh, breadwinner for the station, but these are the efforts that I put in. And, and I don't say, think that that necessarily qualifies me to be elected on the LSB, but that's not going to happen anyway. And, and I guarantee you this, I will never run for the local station board of WBAI or, or any of these stations. There's just way too much dysfunction. And look, and, and I've had, you know, my conflicts. I got to tell you, one of the things I was going to talk about with Reggie today on the show, I was going to reminisce about the coup attempt when uh, folks from some of the other stations of the, of the Pacific Network tried to take over WBAI. You might remember this a few years ago. Uh, and in fact, it was, I think it was like in, in October. So we're coming up on with that anniversary pretty soon here. Yeah, they basically took over the station and, and they took WBAI off the air and they started running canned program. They, I think they called it Pacifica Across America or something like that. And ironically, one of the programs they ran when this group of, and they, we were calling them the Coopsters, the, the people who took over the uh, WBAI, unlawfully, by the way, one of the programs they ran was mine. But no, it wasn't my WBAI program. They actually downloaded my podcast, my Let's Talk Native podcast, and then they aired it on their on their canned programming for uh, that that WBAI was now running. And I had some of the the management, current management, I would I might add, accuse me of selling out that I had somehow aligned myself with these people taking over WBAI. I didn't even have knowledge. Reggie's the one who told me. Reggie says, you know, they've got your show on the, uh, on the air, and it's not even your WBAI show. It's your, it's your podcast. I said, what? So I, you know, I, I, I listened to it online, um, and sure enough, they were, <laughs> they were broadcasting my podcast without my permission, my, my dad. And then somebody says, oh, you should sue them. Look, it's kind of not my thing. It's kind of like not voting. <laughs> I know, I know. I ran for the election. I get it. But, but I don't exactly embrace the legislative system, the legal system, the judicial system, none of that. So, yeah, so I wasn't going to sue these, these clowns for, for trying to take over the, the station. And, and look, there were people who, who, um, who, who managed to get control of the station back. And, and, and look, and it was no small thing. I mean, we were, you know, we were definitely off the air for a while, and, and it was definitely a takeover. But it was ironic that, that somebody in that group decided that my show should air uh, in their canned programming and, and instead of WBAI folks get, having my back, and I, I will say, Reggie clearly had my back. He's, he's the one who first noticed. In fact, we did a program. We did a program together. <laughs> and here's the crazy part about it. So I had Reggie join me. I mean, WBAI is off the air for a period of time, right? And I don't remember exactly how many days it was. But they were off the air for a period of time. I was still doing my podcast. I was still doing my Let's Talk Native podcast. I had Reggie join me on my podcast. And... The folks, the folks who took over the, the station, they actually ran that podcast on, uh, on their Pacific Across America. It's, it's kind of crazy. So there we are talking about the takeover and the, and the unlawful use of my programming 
and they're airing that program on on uh, on WBI. It's it, it's kind of crazy. I guess it's not completely unlike the fact that I'm going to talk about all the things I can't talk about on the air because I'm not on the air. But I got to go back to one other piece of of real irony. As I mentioned, the show that I did in North Carolina was about erasure. It was about marginalizing Native people to the point where you don't even know we've existed. And I got to say, the irony of that program on erasure leading to me being erased from the slate of candidates running for the LSB and being erased, literally erased from the air, is not missed by me. I mean, it is... It is really absurd that I was taken off the air. I mean, and again, let me let me clarify, clarify this. Although there could be an argument that Doc Shaw, as a listener candidate, may have earned uh, you know a little bit of cred, I guess, for appearing on my show, you know, and looking like a a listener candidate um, who is supporting. A show, and I don't even know if my show is considered one of the popular shows. I really don't. I really, really don't. And I'm not saying that to be humble or self-deprecating. I don't know. But there's an argument, and, and in fact, that's what the NES did argue was that that Shaw had uh, had benefited from being on the air. I didn't benefit from Shaw being on the air. I mean, other than just to have a guess, but my campaign for the LSB wasn't enhanced because Shaw was my guest, and we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about WBAI. We didn't talk about the election. We didn't. We talked about native erasure. So the fact that both of us got disqualified, and you know, look, I, I there may be some people that are fighting this. I'm not fighting it. I'm not. I'm. I'm not even. I'm not even going there. Some people say you should sue, and look, that's that's not my thing. But to be clear, I didn't benefit from an election standpoint by having um, Doc Shaw on my program. Uh, I, obviously, you know, I was harmed by it, <laughs> but not through any ill intent by her or myself. I mean, we weren't trying to we weren't trying to cheat, cheat the system. I was just I was in North Carolina, so I thought, well, I'm going to talk about North Carolina. This is where I'm at. I'm going to do a show that's that's connected to the locality that I'm in, and I'm going to use somebody who I know who lives in North Carolina, and that's where Doc Shaw is currently residing. She's she's living in North Carolina, taking care of her mother, not far from the Outer Banks. So that was the reason. I mean, there, there, was, there was no other, no nefarious reason for doing it. And the part that is the most twisted about this is the NES offered a remedy. Knowing full well that all 27 candidates weren't going to take me up on the offer. Now, and how did she phrase that? I'll tell you how she phrased it. She said, look, we've already done, we've done candidate forums, and, and the most anybody's shown up was three of them. So, so the main thing is that you put the offer out there, whether you have any takers or not isn't the isn't the, the point. The point is that that they have the opportunity to come on your show. Whether they take that or not, it's up. So that's what she's telling me. And we're having a phone conversation. This isn't isn't an email or a text message. I can't you know produce reproduce this conversation. But that's the conversation that I had. So I said, well, I, I'm going to need a list of uh, of all the the candidates. She sent me, you know, she sent me in an email. All of the, the phone numbers and emails of, uh, of all the other listener candidates, and I invited every single one of them to be on individually. Now, I, I didn't let them know that I was being punished, and that's why I was offering. I said, look, these is, I got two shows uh, bet between now and the election because I was going to be preempted on the last weekend anyway because of their, again, 52-week schedule. But I, I had this week, 
which I was already bound by um, by the station that said, no, you got to talk about WBI buddies. So that's what we were going to do today. And I was hoping that somebody who is familiar with the station enough, and these are listener candidates, so um, could not only talk about the buddy program, but but help me advocate uh, buddies to join WBI in the name of my show. I mean, so it was, you know, is it self-serving? Nobody paying me, but but I was going to try to use whoever was available. Um, and, and I had, you know, a former LSB member who was going to join me. So that was set. And then I had another um, um, uh, listener candidate who was going to join me next week. She was very interested. And in fact, I may still have her on when I could get back on the air in October. But this was already set in motion. I was already acting on the remedy. I was already lining up some of these, um, these LSB candidates on my show. And the NES didn't call me this time. She sent me an email. And actually, I didn't even see her email. I saw her email response by, by the program director um, at WBI and her email to the program director at WPFW, which talked about my suspension. I said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm suspended now? I thought we had this worked out. So my biggest issue is that we had a plan going forward. It wasn't my idea. And, and it's completely appropriate when you look at the, the, the fair campaign rules. It's completely appropriate for, for the remedy to be for me to offer this up. But somebody beat her up. I don't know why she would have had a change of heart. She had time to think about this before she even called me. I mean, I didn't talk her into uh, having a remedy with, you know, with, uh, with listener candidate members. This, she called me with this idea. So... There's something really ugly about this thing, um, but and I'm not playing sour grapes here. When I said, when I say, look, I'm okay with not being on a candidate for the LSB. I'm I'm not playing sour grapes. I'm not saying, oh, I'm you know, um, it, it tasted it tasted lousy anyway. No, I I was conflicted about running, but I I will admit that part of the reason I wanted to run was because I wanted to try to, from a governance standpoint push through what I think is a, is a reasonable approach to funding the station, which is, you know, this underwriting. Um, I wanted to encourage more programming and collaboration between producers. I mean, other than Michael G asking me to be on his show every once in a while, um, there's not a whole lot of cross collaboration here. And there's, and there's almost no cross promotion. Look, I had suggested one time that WBAI take their producers who are, activists within the community on, on a variety of issues and men and many of us are activists of some sort and um do profiles on us and put us up as a as a wbai speakers bureau there are a lot of entities and, and universities and schools and trade organizations uh, social clubs that'll pay five or six or seven thousand dollars to have a speaker come in and if we and if we did so i said i would volunteer my time to do that I would, I would go to an event where somebody has offered to pay WBAI $6,000 to bring John Kane as a speaker, and, um, uh, and I would do, donate an evening to do that. And, and these guys already have budgets for this stuff. So this was one of, one of the – I've rec been recommending this for years. Nobody's ever taken me up on it. In the meantime, I've done little things. You know, I've done my own events, but it was – I mean, it's never been uh, promoted very well. In fact – 
there are things that I've done, you know, that never really got much attention. Look, I, I was one of the only people to have Jane Sanders, Bernie Sanders' wife, on, on WBAI. And I think it was like either the same day or the day before their debate that was going to take place in, um, in New York between um, Sanders and Clinton. This is back when he was running against Clinton. But I had Jane Sanders on the show. She was going to be on for, for 10 minutes. She ended up being on for almost 45 minutes. I had Mario Murillo who, uh, who joined me on the program. We, we did the interview. It was a great show. It was never promoted. It wasn't even promoted after the fact. That's a show that could have been re-aired. Never re-aired. I mean, I, I've had my tensions with some of the, some of the folks there. And, but I will say that, you know, because there's so much remote programming happening at WBAI, there's, um, there's not much camaraderie there. But, you know, frankly, even when, when many of us were going to the studio, there was very little encouraged that brought us producers together. Oftentimes, if anything, I, I would say there was, there was almost like a, an atmosphere that, that, that bred contention. I remember, I remember one time, a new show had started up just after mine, and the program director came in and literally put her hands on me to drag me out of there. I had no idea. I, I mean, look, when I was doing a show, for those of you who remember when I was doing them in studio, I came in and I put a banner behind me. I was doing videos of the show. So I had a little bit of setup. I had a little bit of teardown. So after my show was done, I was, I was cleaning up. And then all of a sudden, there's somebody coming in. There wasn't a live show on after my program up until this date. And nobody had told me. So I was quietly trying to get out of the way and give them the space and, you know, uh, to do their show. And, and she literally came in and put her hands on me. I even, I even reported it. I, I didn't get any, any, <laughs> there was, there was nothing that was ever done about it. I didn't even know if I got an apology. So look, I've had my tensions, you know, with WBA, but I've said all along on, on almost every broadcast, how much I appreciate having the airtime. I don't know how much it helps with, with my native messaging. But I'm, I'm glad to have it anyway. I mean, New York is a significant market. New, Washington, D.C. is a significant market. And I know that if I, if I want to reach out to those spheres of influence, those power brokers of the state or of the country, New York City and Washington are the places to, the places to be. I just don't know. I know they have heard some of my messaging, but I don't know how much um, others do. And, you know, I, I, I've just started uh, answering, you know, doing phone lines again. Um, you know, my show started out as a, as a call-in show. Uh, with, with COVID, it became a little awkward to, to do calls initially. Now we've got a decent system uh, to do that. And, and I like taking callers. I wish even more so than pressing the current listenership to send money into WBAI, I wish I could convince the current listenership to help us gain listeners, spread the word, word of mouth. I wish that I could get back into the swing of things of going to New York and doing live events and encouraging people to, you know, to not only recognize a, one of the radio personalities, but say, hey, look, I like what this guy has to say, and I like the way he carries himself. I'm, I'm going to listen to the program. And we, we have a huge problem because of the age demographic that um, WBI achieves. I mean, we don't achieve much when it comes to listenership, but when you when you look at it, we've got all old folks. And I gotta tell you, you look at the the average age of the of the, the producers and of the um, the LSB members, 
I mean, the, the ones in particular who are part of the pro the Pacifica National Board. And look, it looks like we should be broadcasting that thing from from an old folks' home. I look, and I'm not trying to you know do the whole ageism thing, but look, if we want a show, if we want a station that's going to have popularity amongst young people, we probably got to involve a little bit more more along the lines of young people. We've lost like guys like Jay Smooth. We've lost some of these guys that that were doing solid work for WBAI uh, and and attracting younger listeners. We, we, we lost some of those guys. And I'm not saying there's no young people that are producing. I'm, I'm going to admit. I mean, look, I'm broadcasting this show from my studio on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. I haven't, I haven't been making the trip to New York since, two, uh, since tw- uh, 2020. I left just before the major outbreak of COVID in New York City. And, my, uh, and one of my previous co-hosts, she actually left New York and got COVID on the way. I mean, so... Look, it, I, I enjoy doing this work. I enjoy advocating and, and teaching people about Native issues. And, and look, and, I, and I've had an opportunity to cover everything from gaming to mascots, from taxation to pipelines to, you know, uh, uh, all, any number of things. I've talked uh, plenty about Hawaii, uh, although, and that was one of the programs that, that I have, you know, slated to do, uh, a, a a kind of an assessment on the Lahaina um, and the Maui fires. And uh, because there's a still a lot that's not answered about that. You know, I, you know, I, we, um, I had the, uh, I, I talked about Jane Sanders, but I also had the author of the killers of the flower moon. That movie's coming out next month. I had the author of the book on my program. Uh, you know, so I, look, I, I've had some, some great guests and I have other great guests lined up. So, We'll see what happens with this suspension. Like I said, I think there are powers that be within WBAI that, um, you know, even, you know, guys that used to be my friend who have, have lobbied to have me removed from the air. Obviously, uh, somebody was concerned about me being voted in on the local station board. And that's, you know, this isn't just about a violation. I mean, like, like I said, a, a rule got broken. I'll admit it got broken. I wasn't aware of it. That's my, that's on me for not reading it, I guess. But I didn't break a rule in the advancement of my campaign. So there could have been, and in fact, there was, there could have been a remedy that was certainly less harsh than, uh, than disqualifying me as a candidate and, uh, and suspending my show. And, and on the show suspension, let me say this. I don't know how the NES or the executive director, what conversations took place uh, took place with the specific radio stations. But the notification that I got, it was more of a recommendation. What the NES had said, um, and, and John Kane's show should be suspended uh, uh, until the election's over. It didn't say must be. So at some point, that was a recommendation made, and both WBAI and the general manager at, at, at PFW at least the way I've seen it, they had a choice in the matter and they just opted to, okay, we're going to suspend, we're going to, you know, honor that, that should, that suggestion, and we're going to suspend them through the rest of the month. Now, I don't know if they could have fought it. Um, and I'm not asking anybody to fight a battle for me. I know there are some people who are pissed off about what, what transpired here. Um, 
I was running as an independent. Now, I, I know that there was a group that was uh, recommending, uh, uh, who added me to a slate of, um, of, of preferred candidates, but I wasn't running as a part of a group. And that's why I, I had no success the last time I ran. The first time, I didn't really have that much success, but it just, as it turned out, I had just enough votes that when somebody termed out, um, I, I got notified that I was eligible to be on the LSB. But um, I don't know that I would have won this election anyway. I mean, I, I don't know how popular I am amongst the staff of WBAI. I know that there's some tensions there. I know there's some people who are on staff who don't like me, but I've, you know, look, there are people that I've grown to know and, and become very close friends with guys like Michael G Haskins and, 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 and his crew and, and uh, Reggie Johnson. Uh, I, I think there are people that, that once they got to know me, um, appreciate what I do and what, what I bring to the station. That's not to say that, some, that everybody does. I've had, you know, look, I've listened to, to people critique my program. Um, how much, how often I say, um, as I just said, um, I mean, I've had, I've had people critique my, my ability to speak. I do freeform radio. Kind of got the idea from an old guy named Bob Foss. I don't script this show. When I bring guests on, I don't bring them on for five minutes. I don't ask for a guest to give me their best sound bite. I, we have a conversation. That's what we do. And, and, I, and I've had co-hosts. It hasn't always worked out. I've, you know, I've, I've had a couple of them. Uh, I enjoyed having a co-host both times that, I, that I've had a co-host. Uh, and, you know, frankly, I think there's some people who, who didn't necessarily enjoy uh, me having a co-host. And, and I think there, were, there was pressure, there was, especially put on the last, um, uh, uh, Regan, my, my last co-host, she was basically, uh, you know, pressured to, to get off the radio. So, but look, the work that I do is not contingent on WBAI or WPFW. I, I'm grateful to have the airtime. I am grateful for having the opportunity to be on the air and reach people that I don't ever have, to, that, that I'll never meet. That's the beauty of being on a radio. Uh, Michael G. Haskins always talks about the difference between broadcasting and narrowcasting. Narrowcasting being podcasts and, you know, where somebody's got to at least say, Alexa, play Let's Talk Native with John Kane or Resistance Radio with John Kane. That when, when you have somebody who, who has to target um, their listenership towards you, they know to look for you. And that's not a broad a broadcast. is When you're out on the air, regardless of whether somebody tunes you in or not, somebody might find you by mistake. And, and I've had that. I've had a few callers who called in and said, you know, I've never listened to this program before, but, but all of a sudden I was going through the stations and I heard you talking about something and, and it struck a tone with me. Or a nerve, one of the one or the other. But so I, look, I, and that's that's the beauty of broadcasting, and it's still what remains about radio. It's one of those positive attributes of radio, and radio is under you know under a lot of threats. I mean, just like print media has has been you know harmed badly by the internet, so has radio, so has broadcasting, paying for a transmitter and a tower rental and all that stuff. It's expensive. And I frankly don't understand how any radio station, especially one that's in the middle of the FM dial in New York City, struggles the way they do financially. I don't understand it. Uh, you know, but I'm not management, uh, and nor have I necessarily seen great 
maneuvering out of management to, to solve the problem. They want to do, keep doing the same thing, sell premium. Every time, you know, well, you producers, the problem is you producers aren't coming up with great premiums. No, and, and as I said earlier, that's not what I want to do. I mean, I don't want to find, and, you know, and I'm sitting in my own studio and I, and I still see, you know, I've got some CDs laying around and I've got, you know, some books that, uh, you know, that I've read or, or some that have been donated. I could do this every, you know, every show I could, I could be hawking some product. But it's not what I choose to do. And, and I would rather the program be the premium. And I know that's, that's an old adage, but I want people to listen, listen to the program, not because I'm going to offer them stuff to listen. I'm not trying to give them incentives to listen or to donate. I'm hoping that they listen to the program and say, you know what? I like this program, and I'm going to support this radio station because, because it has this program on there. And if I can't do that, there are probably people who are going to say, it's time for this program to go. It's not producing for us. And, and they, they don't even have to weigh in about whether they think my personality is somehow crass or something or obnoxious. Some may feel that way. I mean, there may, I think there are genuinely people, not at WPFW, but, but at WBAI on boards and stuff like that, who don't care for, for my, my program or me as a person. But in spite of that, I'm still here. Well, not today, I'm not. <laughs> today, I'm on Facebook and, and, I'm on, uh, and I'm a podcast. But I'm supposed to be back, on, uh, I think, October 5th. So I won't be on for three weeks. It'll be five weeks total that I will not have been on WBAI. And, and of course, this suspension, you know, applied to WPFW as well. And, you know, and look, I, and I feel bad for WPFW because, you know, I didn't do anything to deserve being put, taken off of that station. Of course, I got to say that, you know, the, the general manager could have, you know, could have stood his ground a little bit, but uh, apparently that didn't happen. And, and look, I'm not asking for anybody to defend me. I know there are people who are pissed off about this and are going to uh, are going to raise the issue. And but as it stands right now, I'm not on the radio for uh, for this week or the next two weeks. And my candidacy for the LSB has been disqualified, as has uh, Doc Shaw. That's just I mean that's just what was done. Uh, I don't agree with it, but and like I said, without trying to sound like sour grapes. I'm okay with not being on the local station board of, uh, of WBI. I was on it before, and I, and I saw how it works, or rather, I saw how it doesn't work. And I saw the, the factionalism and the division and the vitriol that existed there, and I see it now. I mean, honestly, were it not for the fact that in this post-COVID era, we can do these, uh, uh, these meetings via the Internet, you know, through Zoom or whatever else, because that's the other thing. When I was on the LSB, I went to New York every week to make sure that I was there for the LSB meeting. I went a couple of times where I got canceled when I, after I got there. So nobody can challenge my commitment to WBAI. You can, you can argue that I don't generate enough money. But again, I was going to be hawking the buddy program today. I don't know what happened to all you folks who used to be on uh, buddies of of WBAI via my show. I don't know what happened. I had 30. I think I had like 30 WBAI buddies. I don't think I have any now. I don't know where you went. I don't know if you shifted gears and you said, nah, I'm going to be a, I'm going to shift 
who in what what program I'm doing this uh, buddy program in the name of. Or look, I don't know. Maybe you died. <laughs> we've got we got older demographic. Maybe thirty people who were my previous buddies. Maybe you passed on, and uh, and I'm not showing due respect uh, because of that. But uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is that uh, today was going to be a buddy pitch program, and uh, um, and I think uh, Mimi Rosenberg uh, did that work, did that lifting during my my time slot. Um, don't know what's going to be on next week. Uh, I will be doing this next week. I will I will continue to do my Facebook live streaming, and I will put this show up as a uh, as a podcast. And I may even post this still. I mean, I there may be some affiliates that um, that have not been instructed not to air me. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll, my show will still be available on on a Pacifica affiliate, if not one of the the specific stations. I don't know. Well, of course, having said that, maybe somebody's going to. Make sure that they don't, but we'll we'll see how that goes. So, look, I wanna I wanna thank you for bearing with me. Um, I make no apologies for my behavior. Uh, I will say that I made a mistake. I made a mistake, and and but that mistake was not ill intended. I wasn't trying to cheat the election system. Um, I really thought that uh, that it was okay to have um, my friend from North Carolina do a show with me in North Carolina about, um, about the erasure of native people. And it turn, as it turns out, um, doing a show on erasure caused me to be erased from both the, uh, the LSB candidate slate and from, um, uh, from the air for three weeks. So bear with me, catch me here on Facebook. I will share this show on other group pages. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. And you can always ask your smart speaker or Google, uh, Resistance Radio with John Kane podcast, and you can find it easy enough. It's on all the major pa- uh, podcast platforms. I also encourage you to listen to my other podcast, which is Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Again, ask your smart speaker to play Let's Talk Native with John Kane podcast. Uh, I did a great program yesterday, really detailing what the Seneca situation is uh, with their gaming compact with New York. If you're interested in that, uh, I encourage you to, to not only, again, with anything, whether it's my Facebook show, uh, live stream, or my podcast, or my radio show, I, I really do encourage you to share the program. Please try to make people aware that there is a voice that is covering issues that nobody else is covering. Make people aware of it. And look, I don't care if people don't agree with some of the things that I say. In fact, I, I, I encourage the, the discussion on Facebook, in the comment section, or when I open up the phone lines in New York, I, I'm I'm perfectly content to have callers call in. And, and, and I, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I did have callers that didn't like what I was talking about. They didn't like the way I framed certain uh, conversations. And, and I took that from them. You know, I, I took their criticism. Um, in one case, I, I accepted it as a legitimate criticism. One, I didn't think it was legit. But look, I'm doing radio. And I, my, my words go out to the public on the uh, occasion. And, and when I have, uh, that allows me to hear back from the public, uh, I am grateful for it, even if it's, um, not necessarily uh, compliments. So I want to thank you for listening. I am John Kane, and this is resistance radio.